welcome to Talk of the Town here on 91.5 WPRK. I'm Sam Stark, host of the show, and this is a collaboration between the City of Winter Park, the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, and Rollins College, and each show provides useful information and a transparent look into the happenings here in Winter Park. I'm pleased to serve as a co-host with the great Betsy Gardner-Eckbert, CEO of the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, and the great mayor of Winter Park, Phil Anderson. Happy New Year. I guess, can we still say that? We can say that since this is our Absolutely. first show back together. Uh, but Happy New Year. Welcome back. And uh, here we go. I like the preamble, the great. That makes me sound like a Russian <laughs> monarch. A Thank bit. you, Sam. A little bit. I know that's what you're going for. So here we are, 2023, Mayor. Um, what's new? I know we're going to get into a couple things. We have a great guest, uh, Peter Moore from the city, but anything off the top you want to share with uh, with our listeners? Well, you know, it's a great way to start the new year. We, uh, we just had our 21st annual Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebration over at Hannibal Square. And, uh, you know, it's just such a great opportunity to have a real historic neighborhood that has been along, been a part of Winter Park, you know, ever since it was founded. And to be able to celebrate that great day uh, in, the, in our own hometown square in Hannibal Square was fantastic. So we loved hearing all of the, the talks and the entertainment and uh, just walking, watching everyone feeling great about it. It's a really good way to start the new year. Great way. And we had fantastic but chilly weather. <laughs> and so, you know, winter's in full bore here. Um, but it made you feel really good about the, the state of the city and where we're heading and the partnership, you know, not only with Rollins, but also with the chamber. Indeed. Um, I think we've got a lot of great stuff coming up this year. We're full bore post-COVID. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's really a, a great time to move ahead. Indeed, for sure. Betsy, how about you? What's happening uh, at the chamber? I know we're going to get into in way more detail the, the the big event that the chamber is celebrating this year, but anything else you can share with uh, with our audience? Well, yeah, just looking back at the holiday season, we kind of popped the top off our centennial celebration, which we will get into in a minute. Um, but we had almost five decades of leadership represented on our centennial float in our the, the holiday parade in the first weekend of December. We asked our past board chairs who've served since the 70s to come together and present a kind of a unified tableau of what we've been doing for the past at least 50 years. Certainly the centenarians are not with us anymore, but, but we really sort of marked a moment in sort of supporting Winter Park through its history and growing the robustness of our of our economy and our, our business community. So that was really fun to see all of those people assembled. Of course, we have a centennial committee and our board of directors that were all there as well. So we got our celebration started uh, early in December and we're well on our way. We'll talk, like I said, more yep. about that in a moment. Love it. Sounds sounds great. Um, all things at the college, you know, it's nice for a little bit of break. Let the, our students go home and, and recharge and refresh. And today actually is their first official day back for the uh, spring wow. semester. So the energy is back to full, as is the campus. And hopefully, therefore, 
Uh, so is uh, downtown Winter Park. Just to frame the economic impact of a Rollins return to school, I went to the grocery store a week ago and couldn't get zucchini because they said the Rollins students are back and the grocery store had been fleeced. <laughs> so welcome back, Rollins students and all your cash. We good, love having you good here. Good to know they're eating their vegetables, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm stunned by that. I <laughs> know, right? So, right. yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Well, let's get right into it. We heard that uh, fourth voice, and that is Peter Moore, the division director of the Office of Management and Budget here at the city of Winter Park. Peter, great to have you uh, on the show with us today. Well, thanks, Sam. I appreciate you called me a great guest earlier. I was worried you were going to say superbly did adequate say or something. Yeah, you did, and it's on air, to. so right. I'm, I'm very uh, happy about you it. Are, but, uh, you th- are. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Glad to have you. I know there's a couple topics that... Um, uh, maybe you that we can all uh, talk about. Um, the first, uh, Peter, is there's a there's a pretty impressive initiative with broadband and and smart city, and um, a lot of ways you could go. I know here, but can you give us a bit of an update on on the task force and and the work being done in that space? Before Peter jumps in, Please. this is something that you know really came through COVID when we were looking at you know how do we make sure people are communicating and getting the data highways in place right. that they needed. And, you know, it was something that popped up and we said, we're going to take a, take a big stab at making this change. It's been ongoing for a while, but we were going to accelerate it. And uh, Peter's been spearheading that effort. And uh, we've pulled together a great panel of residents with very broad expertise to help. So, Peter? Yeah, no, we, we've uh, we, we've long had a lot of initiatives in, into broadband, and, and a lot of people, depends on what you're talking about, you're talking about Wi-Fi, you're talking about actual broadband and fiber connection, or you're talking about 5G, which is a cellular wireless uh, spectrum. Uh, we're, we're sort of involved in all of those. Uh, Parshram, who is our IT director at the City of Winter Park, is the staff liaison for our, uh, what we can call our Smart City Task Force, uh, and they have recently contracted to sort of uh, create a couple of master plans. Uh, one is going to be sort of a, a broadband market analysis. Uh, we have a lot of different opinions in our city. No, uh, uh, no never, okay. right? Uh, about uh, what municipal involvement should be. Uh, and they're going to kind of take a look and see what are the uh, competitive options for broadband in the city. Are folks getting good service, good rates? Uh, are there enough offerings from, from different providers? Uh, and that's really an area that honestly is probably the most exciting because we've seen a lot of change in the last couple of years. Um, the large cellcoms who are coming in and building out their 5G networks are also laying fiber throughout the city. AT&T and Verizon are both live or will be live shortly with 5G. Uh, they've put in their fiber networks, and they're probably going to have their broadband play come off of that. Um, Spectrum, of course, has been in the city for years. It's Charter Communications. Uh, CenturyLink, now Lumen. Uh, Lumen actually just announced uh, just a couple months ago that they're going to build fiber to the premise throughout the entire city. Uh, it's, a, it's a massive undertaking that provides a, another uh, very viable competitor. Uh, and then we've also been working with a, a smaller local company, Frog, who's been building, uh, we've been co-building, actually, a, a municipal network with them, and they intend to also uh, offer uh, customer service uh, provided fiber uh, to the home through their offerings as well. Uh, we've had a couple other companies most recently also kind of sniff around that topic. So I think we're really seeing the private market start to move in very strongly. And I, to me, it's all good news for Winter Park residents and businesses. I think they're going to get multiplicity of choice out of that. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that that's, you know, as we go, we're going to talk about our Economic Development Advisory Board, of which Betsy is, of course, a member of. Um, but it's also you know, how do you serve all of those businesses as well as the residents? You know, there's a lot of people working from home. 
and maybe that's going to change a little bit again. But uh, but you know you've got to have the data to download, especially if you've got kids in the house or college students in the house. You know, downloading speed is a is something we've really been trying to improve. And yeah. it's great to see the public, you know, the private market helping as well. Do, do, you, do you do these initiatives um, because of, you know, really sort of either vocal demand or do, do you, does the city do these because it's the right thing to do and, and we just, you, you all are more pro- progressive and, and advanced in the technology space than other municipalities? Like sort of what's the why? For me, the why was being competitive. Yeah. You know, we have had a successful, fantastic community for almost 140 years, and we continue to attract high-profile businesses and high-profile residents. And uh, you've got to stay competitive. And there are other communities in Central Florida now that already have broadband to every location. And so we're you know, we do a great job replacing 100-year-old sewers and water systems, and now we're trying to catch up with the technology. So to me, it's about competition. Yeah. Betsy, uh, what do you think? So for us, it's about barrier to entry, right? Mm-hmm. So how does someone have uh, an easy time succeeding in Winter Park? And for us, it's about being able to encourage entrepreneurship, uh, really for us to be part of, of a culture of innovation in the region and for us to have our businesses, um, you know, be able to flex up as they're ready to. And I think we all saw during COVID how, you know, underpowered we really are in terms of, of the capability. At my house during COVID, I was running a chamber of commerce. We had a college student moving through his curriculum and a high school student. And, you know, no one was allowed to play a video game in that environment, right? So we, so we actually have to make sure that we're taking temperature checks. And are we as competitive as our neighbors? Are we as competitive as benchmarked cities? And is there a way for people to become successful without showing up with a wagon load of capital, right? And that's one of the easiest ways we can help entrepreneurs succeed is to democratize the opportunity of getting online. I think also you're seeing so many cool things happening in that sort of moniker of smart city, which means something different to everybody. But I mean, you know, trash cans that tell you when they're full, come pick them up. I mean, it's just there's just nifty things that you're seeing more and more municipalities get involved in. And and we want to make sure that we have the infrastructure to do that as well. Is like there, traffic light controls. Traffic oh, yeah. light controls. Thank you. Yes, actually, that was, I think, uh, Mr. Mayor, one of the main reasons we set up the task force in the first place was to look at traffic and public safety improvements that can be done. Uh, and there's a lot of neat things happening around that area. How can people keep track of it, follow it, learn more about it? Is there a place on the website? Uh, yes. So the, uh, the meetings of that task force are public and they're posted on the website. I believe they meet once a month. Uh, and uh, we should get uh, some preliminary reports from the consultant within the next two months, I think, that would be available to the public then at that point as well. Fascinating. Fantastic. So let's go on to the Economic Development Advisory Board. Um, seems to be operating and producing in a, in a very high gear, which is awesome and, and really no surprise with both of your leaderships on there, Mayor, and, and, and Betsy, your involvement there. What's the latest, maybe, Mayor, do you want to start? And then Peter can talk about you know, some I, of it and I, Betsy, too. This is one of the boards and efforts that I'm really excited about for this next year. I mean, the uh, board, you know, Betsy is a member of that board, and she and I actually served on a small special committee to make sure that that board was focused (laughs) and what they were focused on. And I think as a result of that and contributing to that, we started a process 
to engage a retail consultant that could say, you know, Park Avenue has been amazingly successful for many, many years. How do we keep it successful? And then how do we build on that success along our other business corridors? And that's the initiative that's currently underway right this minute. Uh, We've gotten through a first phase or two, and uh, ultimately we're going to end up taking that message broader. Um, But it's something I'm really excited about. It puts some clarity around why we feel so good when you go down Park Avenue and you get to experience different shopping opportunities along the way. So. And I think it ties right in with the 100-year history of, of the chamber, <laughs> so go ahead. Well, I, I really appreciate the mayor's effort to convene this subcommittee and for us to create uh, a sense of strategic vision of how do we maintain competitiveness. And I think, you know, I grew up here in the 80s when there was nothing like Park Avenue. There just was no peer, right? And and people are copying us left and right throughout the region. So mm-hmm. we have to stay mindful of the fact that we're not the only game in town and we have to maintain a competitive focus. All of that set against a backdrop of the fact that, you know, retail and restaurant is kind of the third or fourth place industry based on revenue in this community. So we've got, as a chamber, we've got to balance all of those components, obviously. And we have a $4 billion a year economy. So we we know that we're not getting all of that from retail and restaurant, but we know that's the front line view of Winter Park for a lot of people. And so I think it's great that we're managing strategically and that we're creating a vision of what success looks like, that we're making sure we're competitive. Um, and, you know, what that looks like is retail is nothing like what it used to be even last year or three years ago, heavily disrupted by the pandemic. And, you know, it's one of those things that, we have to innovate or we're going to lose out in a geometric size gap, right, Mm -hmm. compared to where we were. And so I think it's great that we're looking at what that mix is. It's tricky because, you know, one of the things the consultant came back with is, uh, you know, shoe stores would do really well on Park Avenue. Well, of course they would, but who's incentivized to open a shoe store, right? Because managing that kind of inventory when you're up against a Zappos online, that's not practical. So we actually have to, you know, take these recommendations and then put them up against um, the the kind of universe of what's practical and what's actionable. So that's going to be a tricky next step. But I'm encouraged by the fact that we are strategically planning and that we're looking at opportunities. Yeah. Peter, do, do you have a sense, uh, uh, um, and, and anyone, one of you can answer it, like what are some of the possible programs and incentives, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're not trying to break any news spoiler here. Spoiler alert to, here. Or yeah. I mean, let's, yeah. <laughs> no, just, just a sense of what's even under consideration, maybe. Sure. I don't think anything is necessarily off the table. So from a staff perspective at the city, you know, what we see the benefit of this process is we're sort of starting at the high level of where does everything fit? How should it all look? What has the best synergy to, to work as a city as a whole? Uh, the next phase that we're going to kind of move into here shortly is really going to be sort of the goal setting, which are gonna, is going to kind of help shape that question. Because once we know what we want to have in the city mm-hmm. and what would be the most helpful, we can shape a, a suite of incentive packages around that. Uh, you know, I give tremendous credit to Betsy and the Chamber during the pandemic for how quickly they were able to move and communicate during that process. We want to make sure that the city is positioned with uh, the tools that we need in our toolbox so that the next time we have some sort of crisis or, or issue that we are ready and able to respond. 
Um, but but they could be anything. I mean, if you wanted to target a particular area, you could you could waive various fees that are you know waivable by law. Is my caveat. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's all kinds of things that we could explore, and, and we're certainly going to take a look at. Yeah. Betsy, what about what? What do you? Th- what's your thoughts? Well, I think it's a great opportunity for us to align incentivization with what we care about as a city. So I think there's a huge amount of support for uh, strategy around sustainability, and that's one of the key areas where we could actually align something we care about with a way to trigger uh, economic growth. And so I think that's a huge focus for the chamber right now, and we'll maintain a focus in that area. Very good. Anything you, you want to share? Um, you know, I think what uh, what I look at it is, you know, we are a built-out city more or less. You know, right. every, every lot just generally has a building on it. But in 50 years, what's on that land is going to change. And as you grapple with what is inevitably going to change there, would it be great to have an idea of what you want to go there. And that's really what this is all about, is you know, as we change, as we, um, let's make sure that what we want is what people know that we want and they can bring it about. And that's really the heart and soul of this, Right is um, we've had some great success, let's build on that success, we're gonna see some change, let's guide the change to the direction that works for the city. Yeah. Betsy, I'll ask you, it's a hard question maybe, and maybe it's not for you. It was when I sort of had your role many years ago. How do uh, property owners play into this space, right? The city can do what the city wants to do in terms of incentives. Uh, a business can choose to open up whatever shop they, they choose and pay whatever rent. How, how does the business community work with property owners who at the end of the day, and rightfully so, want to want to rent their space at the highest possible mark and maybe or maybe not care about the, the mix of retail on Park Avenue or in, in the Central Business District? Well, I mean, I know a lot of the key landlords on Park Avenue, and I know they care, yeah. right? I, I know that they care about what goes in there, and I know that you don't even have a chance if you're not aligned with what a vision of Park Avenue that's active right now looks like. So I do know that. I also know that many of those entities are deeply rooted in Winter Park, right? So that long-term view, people aren't cycling in and out of out of town. There's a few out of town property owners on Park Avenue, but, but I would say the bulk of the big players have long, deep roots in Winter Park, which is a great thing, right? And I think a game changer. There are opportunities for us to come together and create synergies with that entire area And those opportunities have been explored in the past. But what you're talking about is a land use play. And anytime you're talking about land use in Winter Park, there's going to be polarity, right? So Mm. we, you know, I think there are long-term, you know, possibilities of creating uh, opportunities as as an entire, you know, a gestalt, Park Avenue as a, as a, a whole entity. But I think, you know, you've got to get uh, support for that. And what I will say is I do think that the bulk of the landholders on Park Avenue take a long view of success. And I think they are contextually aware of what works for the community. Um, But like I said, the external factors affecting retail are fast and furious. And so those are real world um, considerations that we all have to take into account as we're moving through those those opportunities as well. Yeah, right. 
And I think we talk about Park Avenue because that's our basis of success. Right. And But this is going to go to other, you know, if that's the hub, right. this is going to go, you know, out on some of the spokes. Yep. And it's going to affect how we look at 1792 and Orange Avenue and, and Morse. And, um, and so I, I think it's going to be a pretty seminal thing. You know, the next phase is really to take what we find as a board and as a city and, you know, really share it with a, a broad range of, yeah. of folks, including landowners. Just because it feels like you can't let a economic development discussion in the central business district pass without the, the P word, parking. I'll ask Peter, like, where's parking in all this mix? You didn't tell me you were going to talk about parking I know. when I was going to be exactly. on Exactly. <laughs> so Can't I be avoided. We're always told don't talk about dogs, trees, or parking. That's the, the three rails of right. Rampart oh. politics. Um, uh, you know, parking really depends on your viewpoint. What we have found <laughs> is that folks who are accustomed to our downtown core say they have no problem finding parking. Um, however, we are also... Uh, a location for out-of-town visitors, uh, and those folks can struggle finding parking. Um, we've, we've done studies in the past that have indicated we may have a parking deficit on the south side of the avenue. You know, honestly, the only thing that gets at that is, is possibly structured parking. Um, we've also discovered that people don't like walking very long distances because you might find parking uh, down some of the side streets or down New England, but you can't find it on Park Avenue. So uh, it, it is a difficult question. I, I joke that every two years we talk about creating a circular shuttle. Uh, someone will bring it up and it comes up as a topic. Some folks might think that could work as, a, as an alternative to kind of may redistrib- redistribute parking demand in the city. Yep. Um, but it's, it's, some will view it as a parking management issue. Some will view it as a structural issue. Fair enough. Good answer. Good is, that, is that delightfully ambiguous enough for you? <laughs> Very good. Um, what we do know is our retailers had one of the most awesome Christmas se- season sales in their history. Yeah, and, yeah, they uh, did. The last two years have been the best, is what the anecdotally I hear from most of our businesses right. that we talk to. So. You hear that and uh, know, know that, right, Betsy? Absolutely. It's boom time in Winter Park. There you go. So let's shift a little bit to uh, the chamber and uh, the centennial celebration year for the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Betsy and her team, with the help of a, of a committee and the board, um, but mostly we all know it's staff, um, are just spending an incredible amount of time creating a spectacular year of celebrating not just the chamber, but the the role of business uh, in in our our great community. So, Betsy, talk a little bit about uh, the celebrations and the celebrations plan, and you know, again, sort of the why this is such a big initiative for the chamber. Well, uh, what we did was after we realized we were going to be turning 100 in 2023, put the board in a room and and thought what is the appropriate vision that we should all have for celebrating a milestone like this? And I think it's appropriate, and many people do, celebrate a milestone like this with a a beautiful awards dinner or some kind of black tie thing and say, gosh, isn't it great that we've reached this milestone? And and we didn't want to do that because we really wanted the thing that we use to celebrate the centennial to be the kind of starting event of the next 100 years. And, you know, chambers, as you know, better than anybody in the room probably, have undergone a seismic shift in the way that they serve their communities and the way that they 
react to their environments. And so we have tried to build a model that reflects that shift. And I think we've been successful in doing that. The backbone of that model is constantly focusing on relevancy and innovation. And as we thought about how to celebrate the, you know, this milestone, it was very important that we took into account uh, factors like inclusivity, resourcefulness, uh, bringing all the stakeholders we could possibly think of to the table. And, you know, one of the sad features of Chambers of Commerce is that the people in business 50, 75 years ago were primarily white men. And so it was a model built for those people, right? And so we're building a, a, a better mousetrap, so to speak, mm. that that hopefully considers the needs of all stakeholders, people who look like me, people who don't look like me. And, you know, making sure that we are considering factors like the earth as a stakeholder. And we know that that aligns with the priorities of many of our businesses. And so we need to be there. That's what we need to be doing. And we need to consider the fact that the natural environment was the original economic developer in Winter Park. And because of that, we thought storytelling uh, priorities included focusing on that natural environment. So we're building a three-month-long birthday party, <laughs> and Mead Garden is generously hosting us for that three-month-long birthday party. Uh, it's called Fun 100, and the goal is to bring people into Mead Garden, help them understand how beautiful Winter Park is, how resourceful we can be when we work together, and to tell our story of economic development, which includes the train as economic developer, right the logging and citrus industries as economic developers, and the beauty of the natural environment. So we hired a Winter Park business with strong ties to Rollins called AOA, and AOA does themed entertainment uh, contract support throughout the world, primarily Disney and Universal. They do a lot of Walt Disney World Imagineering work. And we asked them to help us realize a vision that's very different from what they've ever done before. We said, everything that we use to build this needs to be found or reclaimed or recyclable. And we need the labor that's going to be used to build all of this to be volunteer labor from the community. And they actually didn't balk at that. They kind of, uh, they, they leaned into it because usually they've got huge budgets and they've got teams of technical people to execute these kinds of things. And we said, no, 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 this is going to be like cooking with your five-year-old mm. kid, right? <laughs> so, so they really leaned into that. They've never done anything like this before. And they came up with an amazing concept that was fueled by the vision our board gave us and some of the stories that our Centennial Host Committee said were important anchors for this experience. And then we went to work building a giant stack of partners to help us execute this vision. Now, Fun 100 will open to the community on February 4th. And we are absolutely thrilled to have the presenting partnership support of Full Sail University. And if you're familiar with Full Sail, you know that that is an awful lot of pixie dust headed our way. So <laughs> we are so excited that they are bringing their technical expertise to helping us realize this vision. Um, what we're going to be doing at Mead Garden is, uh, is executing six garden zones, each of which tell a different part of our story with um, immersive public art, basically. So we want people to have a walkthrough experience at Mead Garden where they can hear and, and learn about the key features in our business community's history, but actually to be motivated to participate in the future 
of a broad-based, prosperous winter park. And so that's the goal, is that people who weren't aware of some of our assets, who weren't aware of some of our partners, become aware of them and also can see what Winter Park can do when it sets its mind toward being in partnership and when it decides to be resourceful. And we're thrilled that, you know, we hope to play the role of force multiplier, which we think is the right role for the chamber going forward. Love it. Mayor, can you, I mean, talk a little bit about it just from your seat, right? The hundred years of, of, a, of an entity, um, the community business entity, uh, just to be in your role and your seat for the next few months. Uh, can you just talk about the importance of this? Sure. You know, I'm excited to see this celebration take place. Um, I, you know, I think the, the intertwining of business on Park Avenue and recruiting people to move to Winter Park over the last hundred years, and then the role that the college has played is really this sort of three-pronged thing. And it's been around for a long time, and it's succeeded. Um, you know, I, I think we've, we've seen, I love the, the, the natural environment as the original selling point. Um, you know, today you might add that, uh, you know, the next selling point is we've got great homes and low, low, uh, low income, no income tax. So that's a good thing, too. Right. But to see the balance there and the dependence of all three legs, you know, this is a great place to live. It's a great place to work and it's a great place to go to school. And we have, you know, the leading college for, you know, masters in business administration here at Rollins. And it goes back a long way. So I think tracking, you know, history is a big part of what makes people love Winter Park. Right. And so tracking how all three of those legs have made us what we are, I think it's a great thing to celebrate. And we've got, you know, and where do we go from here is, uh, you know, is, is part of why we all serve the city. Love it. That's again, um, a lot more even, even than just the Fun 100, which is massive and a, and a significant undertaking. And to your point probably couldn't be as fun and effective and sort of dramatic without a, a group like Full Sail kind of yeah. going all in. Um, what, what there's, I know there's a, there are some other sort of smaller events for, for people who've invested and, and just been a part of it. Uh, where can people learn more about the, the whole celebration that's yeah. taking place? So winterpark.org is always the best place to start for information on that. Uh, this Saturday is our Gather and Grow Day, which is going to be a day in which we render over 400 community service hours in a single day to fabricate the components of Fun 100. So if you'd like to come out, if you're 12 years of age and up, uh, you can join us for, uh, we're going to be there from 10 to 4, fabricating components of all of this. And, and you don't have to be skilled. I'm not skilled as a <laughs> painter or artisan in anything. Uh, we have plenty for people to do. And so you can register for a slot by going on to our website, or you can just turn up and we'll we'll give you a paintbrush and set you to work. I think uh, that's one of the key ways people can get involved. We also have a partnership with the Winter Park History Museum. And next week, Perfect. the uh, Retailing Our History exhibition will open. Uh, we've been partnered in the execution of that, helping with details and artifacts and uh, story points. I think that's going to be a wonderful way for us to anchor into the celebration and then we have various dinners and events going on through the year. We'll be celebrating our 20-plus year members um, in the summer and, of course, a dinner for our past chair, uh, past chairs again. But we have a special Centennial Speaker Series. So every quarter we'll have a Centennial Focus in our Good Morning 
Winter Park Speaker Series, so look for that in April. I am delighted to say that Denise Hatcher, who's the Managing Director of AOA, will be leading a talk at Mead Garden at Fun 100 on their process and how they came to conceive of the elements of Fun 100 to production design, all of that. Uh, And that will actually be in situ at Mead Garden um, in April. And then we'll also have a networking session in March at Fun 100 to kind of make sure people are aware throughout the life of the installation what's going on there. So we have a number of, of really exciting things planned for the year. And we hope people will follow along with the celebration. That's fantastic. No, no one can say there's not anything going on in Winter Park, Florida. <laughs> well, is, it is the season. That is for sure. <laughs> we, we seem to say that every season, which is great, uh, by the way. Um, a lot going on. And congratulations to you and your team for putting that together in, in fairly short order. Uh, but a special celebration, obviously, for those involved with the chamber, but really for the whole for the whole community, too. So uh, thanks for, for that, Betsy. Uh, we're getting close to it. Any sort of final uh, comments or um, updates that either of you want to share with the group? Um, I'd just like to thank Peter for being here. Peter Moore is one of the stellar – we've got a, many, many stellar employees, and he's one of the most stellar of the stellar. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, But uh, he and I have had a great working relationship for almost 10 years uh, since the first time I was in office. And what I can – you know, he represents a staff that is committed to making Winter Park a better place. And whether they're in – our sanitation department, whether they're in our water and sewer department, our teams work really, really hard. And, you know, they're most visible in Parks and Rec because that's where we go to have fun. But behind Parks and Rec, there are so many other departments that do an amazing job for the city. And, you know, they're always wanting to do better, whether, and it's just a great a great group of uh, associates, and thank you very much for joining us, Peter. Oh, Mr. Mayor, it's very kind of you. We appreciate it. We, we've uh, got a lot of dedicated people at the city, and, and uh, we enjoy we enjoy working here and what we do. It's fun to sit in this room because uh, uh, Sam, uh, when I was a grad student here at Rollins College getting my MBA, Sam was president of the chamber, and I was his intern. And so, <laughs> honestly... That doesn't the, make you feel old, uh, does it? The, uh, he was a very young <laughs> president very of young the chamber. President. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so am but, I, uh, Peter, you, for the record. Absolutely. Man, I'm just going to get myself in all We're talking about me, Betsy. Can you just hold off for a second? <laughs> but no, I mean, I, honestly, it's probably why I'm at the city today. It was just the close association. And, you know, and under Betsy's leadership, they've really added a lot of technical and data analysis, which us nerds and, and Mayor, with all due respect, you know you're a big nerd, too. You love, you love this stuff. Uh, well, you know, true. it's 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 uh, it's been great. So thank you. Awesome. Well, for sure, Peter, thanks for for being with us, and thanks for all you're doing with the city. Betsy, how about you? Well, I could probably sing the praises of Jason Seeley at every single monthly podcast. Uh, he's the director of Parks and Rec here mm-hmm. and yep. is, a, I would say, a long-suffering servant because Parks and Rec is the front line of, of what goes on in the city. Um, you know, he has been an incredible partner on the execution of Fun 100, and we are so grateful, particularly to his team and to him for helping us with so many logistical items and, and helping execute. Uh, we're grateful, of course, for the partnership with city staff at all times, but I felt that I'd be remiss if I didn't single out Jason at this point because he's been remarkable. Uh, and that's one of the great features of what we're doing is that we've put a huge partnership stack together to execute this, and, and we're grateful 
to Full Sail to the Gardens at Depew, Massey Services, Orlando Health, Cypress Bank and Trust, and Advent Health for being our lead sponsors. And we really hope the committee will come out for the ribbon cutting on February 4th, which will be at 10 a.m. And enjoy the absolutely free exhibition for three months. There won't be any charge for it, thanks to the generosity of our sponsors and partners. Love it. Well, uh, with that, we're, we, we come to a close. I remind uh, our friends in Winter Park to uh, keep an eye on RollinSports.com. Um, our winter s- sports are wrapping up. Our spring sports are about to uh, kick off. So lots going on on campus. Uh, take the family out to an event. And, of course, the Annie Russell Theater as well. Lots going on there. Uh, always keep an eye on Rollins.edu for, uh, for the latest and greatest um, family and community activity here at the, uh, at the college. Um, a lot we covered today, a lot we, we can talk about next show, uh, which is fe- uh, February 15th. Uh, that will be a couple weeks before the legislative session, and we might just dare talk a little uh, state politics, uh, which I know all of us have a little bit at stake uh, there. So with that, uh, I thank you on behalf of uh, Mayor Anderson and Betsy Gardner-Eckbert for joining us today on Talk of the Town. Uh, we're glad you tuned in. Keep uh, keep track of, um, of these shows on the third Wednesday of each month, and uh, we hope you'll tune back in to 915 FM WPRK. Special thanks uh, to uh, the staff here at WPRK for uh, keeping us on the air and uh, doing such a great job with this uh, with this program and all 91.5 programming. Uh, with that, uh, we wish you a great day in Winter Park.